Mr. Pop. How how big was it? Is it like about the size of your three or four inches? Or how how big was it? Yeah, three or four inches. Okay. Nothing nothing to boast about. Is <laughs> that a choo-choo bar in your pocket? This is Rock and Roll, your weekly shot of sport and music with Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix and Mark Fine. Hello and welcome to Ruck and Roll, your weekly dose of, uh, well, whatever it is we finish up uh, serving up on this because it, it never is the same in any given week. I'm Kevin Hillier. Here's Brian Mannix. Thank you, Kevin, and great to uh, be introduced by you, the legend. Well, I'm the only one doing it, so, <laughs> so I'm, glad you're, I'm glad you're happy with that. And Mark Fine. Hello, Finey. G'day, boys. I'm in... I'm in particularly good spirits because I've just had my favourite dinner. I don't know why I don't have it more often. What's your favourite dinner? Uh, you know, it's funny because if you asked me before tonight, I wouldn't have known it. But as soon as I made it, I love crumbed lamb cutlets, gravy, mm. mint jelly, peas and mash. And I love it. Mm. I love crumbed good lamb cutlets. Yeah, see, I don't eat lamb. I don't like the smell and the texture of lamb. Good, more for me. Yeah, well, exactly. Love steak, so love pork, but lamb. Well, what I'm hearing fine is that your paella didn't turn out too well last week. <laughs> no, that was a rampant success. But Jeez. you know, when you cook, when you cook for a lot of people. A lot of people there, and we're sitting out under the starry skies, Gawler River. It was beautiful, just beautiful. But when you spend two couple of hours cooking, you just don't feel like eating. And they yep. started accusing. They yeah. started. They started questioning whether I'd, you know, using poison mushrooms. Why aren't you eating your own? Allegedly, allegedly. Yes. Um, you know, it was why aren't you eating your own food? Why don't you eat your own food? I said, because when you cook for two hours and it's not even tasting it, it's just smelling it and preparing it, whatever. It, yeah. And there's, you know, all, there's, also, catch up. there's also a joy of watching other people eat what you've created that, that I don't yeah, know, I don't think it takes your appetite away, but just you're more invested in that than you're in actually gutsing it down yourself. Yeah, look, look, if I was making a steak for everybody, barbecuing a steak, sure, I'd make myself a steak, but... Long cooked dishes like a paella, which is two hours in the making, deveining the prawns, making the stock, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You've really had enough of food for a little while, but you know, I joined in at the two hundred and had a bit of dessert with them, which was a. I love that Gawler River Bakery. I've told you about Gawler South Bakery before. It's where, you know, I think I've told you about it. it's where, where I have some of my favourite moments, and they do an apricot pie. Now. <sighs> I don't know what you think makes a good pie, but these were fresh apricots, not tinned apricots. Oh, it was very good. Yeah, I, uh, fresh. It almost doesn't matter what you put in it. If it's fresh and it's baked properly and the right pastry, uh, sorry, you got me every time, even apple, which it can be hit and miss with some people. But if you get the right. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you what else I ate today. I wasn't even sure if they still existed. But when I went to buy stuff for dinner, on the counter at the IGA were choo-choo bars. Oh. oh, no. They are still great. I mean, licorice, I don't love licorice in licorice form because I find it sometimes a bit soft, a bit nauseating, but I do like the flavour licorice. And the choo-choo bar, that hard oh. candy that, you know, it was, if, if I had breaker. If I had fillings, they'd rip them out. <laughs> oh, no, you, yeah. don't, you don't have fillings when you eat choo-choo bars because you don't have teeth in the end. Jesus. Yeah, right. the, worst gee, I, gee, I the, worst, the worst thing about choo-choo bars was like, you know, I used to go to Oak Park swimming pool all the time and we'd swim during summer and that. But you'd have these kids in the, the learner's pool or whatever with the choo-choo bar. And with the chlorine and the water, they'd just be blue crap coming out of their <laughs> mouth all over their chin. They look like zombies. Um, uh, that's good. You know, so listen to everybody listening. Um, don't eat a choo-choo bar in the lunatic. Oh, I love choo-choo bars. I love choo-choo so bars as a kid. Um, they were have good. A, a really a, good. Have a, guess how, 
Have a guess how much the choo choo bar cost me today. How how big was it? Is it like about the size of your three or four inches? Or how how big was it? Yeah, three or four inches. Okay. Nothing nothing to boast about. Sort <laughs> 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 of choo choo bar in your pocket. Um oh, oh God, what would they be worth these days? Uh, oh, I haven't bought a, a like a. You well, you buy a, a buy a, a little cherry ripe, whatever. They're a dollar fifty or two dollars. So it'd have to be at least two bucks. So probably more than that. Seventy cents. Oh, fair I, I was delighted. The whole thing made me happy. Sorry, were you in a wayback machine? <laughs> Went back to nineteen seventy five or something? Good God. Uh, you know what? You know what? I'm starting to regret shoplifting them. <laughs> I think I thought always thought cherry ripe was a sex position, but okay, good to learn. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's an educational program this one, Brian. Um, and I, 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 don't, I don't want to dwell on it, but now that you brought up the cherry ripe, oh, oh no, by far and away the most overrated chocolate bar. Oh, I know I like cherry ripe, so I, I, I must admit I, I've discovered the ones with the dark chocolate; they're better. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe, but. No, cherry ripes I find overrated because, you see, I love cherries. It's actually my favourite flavour. I was asked the other day what my favourite flavour was. I said cherry. Um, I love chocolate bars, but the cherry ripe has is it, – it's a chocolate bar with the insidious glacé cherry inside. Yeah, it, yeah, is, no, I know that, but it's still it's still not bad. I still like it. You know, a glacé cherry, cherry is like a cherry on – Methamphetamines. It's, it's, <laughs> yes. it's all. It's, it's had a really bad upbringing. Yeah, but uh, Cherry Rob was one of those. One of those really good. It was one of the better chocolates when I was growing up. I didn't like crunchies. I thought crunchies were shit. Um, yeah. yeah, I didn't like crunchies. I liked either crumbles. Yeah, I like crumbles. Or a spearmint night. Yeah, no, they were good. Still my absolute favourite. So didn't like. I didn't like Mars bars. I thought Mars bars were rubbish too. Yeah, Mars bars were too much of a good thing. I loved white nights. I loved when you got just the right hardness that you could stretch them about yes, a foot before they snapped. Yes. Oh, those yes. were the days. They were. What about, do you remember Big Charlie, about 12 inches of bubble gum? Loved Big Charlie's. And you'd try and stick the whole lot in your mouth at once and it was I always ate the whole Big Charlie. <laughs> and there was, <laughs> and you know, in, in, in Adelaide I went to Harndorf and you know what I love about Harndorf? I love the German food, but there's also Beautiful. four lolly shops. I love candy shops. You know, my 16-year-old daughter's trying to pull me out of them, saying, you're being irresponsible. Stop buying lollies everywhere. <laughs> but but they had, there used to be, Big Charlie also, also came in a smaller form. It was about the size of a 20-cent coin, but thicker, of course, and they were called double bubbles or something wrapped in wax paper, just a and sort of a round little mini hockey puck of bubble gum and they oh, still okay. they still had those. I bought those. I remember those horrible uh, like 20-cent piece things that they used to have, the silver with bubble gum in and that bubble gum tasted, oh, that was horrible bubble Oh, gum. terrible. Yeah, yeah, they were it's crap old. Pink rubbish. It's awful. Anyhow. Yeah. We had a wasted uh, youth, the three of us, who spent a lot of time eating lollies and chocolate bars. Well, you know, I mean – it's funny. It was the sort of stuff I, I wasn't really. It, my my parents didn't bring lollies into the home. You know, they weren't. I couldn't go foraging around for lollies and stuff in the house. There was the odd biscuit and that, but you know, there weren't a lot of lollies in the home. So, you know, when you got out and got to a milk bar or something, it was game oh. on. Well, five cents worth of mixed lollies. That was a big bag back then. Yep. And, and, and do you remember? Do you remember licorice blocks? They were like little square with little yeah, yeah. And you get four for a cent. And yeah, so I mean, you're older than me. I remember one day I was going, I was going to school, and my mum's giving me twenty cents to get a salad roll or whatever for lunch. And I said, Nah, I'm just buying twenty cents of licorice blocks. Oh God! So I had like eighty licorice blocks. Oh, God. I think. Probably spent a bit of time on the toilet afterwards, but, um, you know, that's what you do when you're young. Yes, it is. I tell you what, all those lollies, I, I was saying to this, I said in this discussion the other day with somebody, well, a couple of weeks ago, those lollies, two for a cent. I remember two for a cent, all the caramel buds. Oh, yeah. 
milk buds, caramel buds, and all those things. And mates, and I said, yeah, mates, yeah, mates for two for a cent. <laughs> and I said, I swear, kids nowadays are hopeless at basic maths. Yep. And I said, I reckon I learned maths at the milk bar. I'd have ten cents, and I'd try and get you know thirty rather. You know. Yep. I did a lot of math work at the milk between between the I milk bar between is, the milk bar and sport is how you learn how to add up properly. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Every every boy in class knew their six times tables. <laughs> it's correct, <laughs> and it's probably a bad thing in that everything is done with the card now. You just tap the card and da da da. So you got a whole generation that never has to work out. Well, hang on, I've got a dollar and I need a dollar sixteen or. Yep. I, I used to, I've got clever kids who work for me in the shop, but I'll tell you what, when they get cash and have to give change, it's deer in a headlight time, I'm telling you. I, I use cash <laughs> I used cash for the first time the other day and I got short change twenty bucks and I, I, I stood there and went, uh, am I going mad here? And she looked at me and said, What's the matter? I said, uh, you I gave you fifty and you've only given me like twenty five back. Uh she went, Oh, oh, I owe you twenty, don't I? I said, Yes you do. Yeah, they are hopeless. They just do not know how to do change. Yep. And I'm talking about clever kids. Kids yeah, that are yeah, no, she was a really smart girl. But yeah, 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 kids that can do their own shoelace up. I mean, these are not <laughs> idiots. <laughs> well, how long do you reckon before we're a cashless society? Oh, we're close. We're that close to that now. Except, yeah, I think except so. when the entire you know Optus thing goes down and no one can use um, their cards. That's when everyone goes. Eh, I might need cash. Well, they've given them some uh, free data, 400,000 businesses that couldn't make any money for the day. I've well, got, a, got, I got a letter. Actually, a couple of gigabytes of data, so they should be happy. Well, no, I didn't oh. get, I didn't even get that. I got a letter that said I can have my data at a quicker pace for a month than I've had it, um, had it uh, of recent times. Um so I didn't actually – I'm not getting more data. What they're going to do is that for from whenever it is till the 31st of December, I can sign up and get um, – you know, it goes mega speed or whatever. Now, I'm, I'm betting, and, and I haven't checked it, but I'm betting if I sign up for that, that if I don't unsign for that on the 31st of December, it'll click into my January account and I'll get charged for it. I'll, I'll, I'll bet on that. Yeah, no, it's, they've handled it. They've handled that really badly, Optus. They've not covered themselves in glory by any stretch of the imagination. Glad I don't have shares in Optus. Yeah, well, I don't have shares in them. And I, but, and I, uh, fortunately, we were up, we were in Inverloch where we have Telstra and Hoppers. We had, uh, we have Optus and we would have been stuffed. We were lucky we were away. Um, and we're able to do a couple of interviews that we had lined up, which we wouldn't have been able to do if we'd been here, which would have been in the Inverloch mansion, Kev. Oh, yeah, the uh, little lean-to up there, Brian. Yeah, that one. A <laughs> little lean-to. <laughs> little lean-to in the inbox. Don't, you, don't you start on your 16th yeah. floor frigging penthouse on the Gold Coast. I, I don't oh. know whether people are aware of this, oh, but go. Kev has got a sprawling mansion. Sprawling? No. Oh, God, no, it's not that. Sprawling mansion. There's horses, there's unicorns, everybody <laughs> running around there. Yep. And, um, and if my son know, doesn't take those posters off the wall, yeah, no, it's I respect you for keeping it low profile <laughs> yeah, because trust you me. are probably one of the most richest men oh, in Australia. Oh, uh, in everything but money, Brian, in everything but actual cash. Um, Why, well, you've got a beautiful family, but shrewd investments have got you that oh, sprawling mansion. I, I, you're right, Brian, because I heard. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> He sits on his back porch, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And he pulls out a shot. He pulls out a rifle, right? Yeah. And he, just, he goes shooting, and people say, and, and some people came over and said, "Aren't you worried about shooting? How about the neighbours?" And he goes, "The bullet falls well short of where my neighbours live." <laughs> Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, no, it's a very that's, modest that's little a house. Big, and that's a big property. It's a very modest little house. It's, it's in huge. Like and he's, he's got a Gatling gun and a three oh three. It's an M16, but the Gatling gun's his favourite. If he needs to trim the bushes, 
Just let fly with that. It trims them all down real quick. Goodness. He's the only bloke I know who who has an address with three postcodes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, more like three. Do you know his property? You know his property <laughs> so big. You know his property so big. When he when he has to go clean the vines off the back fence, he has to put his watch back two hours because it's in a different time zone. <laughs> yeah, right. Thank you. His bring property you... is so oh, big. Jesus that... Christ. <laughs> his property is so big. <laughs> Look, I, I was gonna I was gonna go down Kim Kardashian's ass, but I thought, no, let's be a bit more material yeah, than that. Well, I'll give you an idea how big his property is. Oh, here we go. When he has to do the boundary fencing. It's so far away that he convinced Ampol to put a petrol station halfway between his house, his house and the back fence. <laughs> right, are uh, you two dickheads finished? Pun? Uh, well, we spent a lot of time talking about nothing, so probably we should talk about something. Well, I'm going to Qantas, Qantas do long-haul flights out to his swimming pool from his back for his, his porch. Oh, that's the last thing I'd have is a, is a swimming pool. God knows I had one of them once and I don't like them. Now, I had one once too. Never again. I, the, the closest I will ever get to a swimming pool is leaving my shoes outside and having them filled with water. I'll yeah. never go near a pool again no. as long as I live. No, me neither. Um, we looked at – when we were looking at houses um, to uh, adding vlog, the ones that had the pools <laughs> – Straight through, no, yeah. no, absolutely no interest whatsoever. Um, there's even one that had a, a rather large spa kind of thing. Went, nah, not, don't want to know. It's, it's, uh, bath will do me. Thank you very much. Uh, bloody swimming pools, God Almighty. Do, do you know, we, I've never had a pool in my life. And then the last place we were in, oh, you did too, of course, yeah, yeah, you great. did. Yeah, terrific. Great, we'll have a pool. Do you know when I realized I didn't like pools? About day three. Yeah, when I, when I found the third dead rat floating upside down in it. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, well, just... at least the rat was killed. <laughs> well, I had a pool back in Airport West. Um, oh, did you? It's one, of these, it's one of these brilliant things that, you know, your wife with great intentions comes across. She goes, Brian, I bought a pool. And I go, what? We don't want a pool. But it was, a you know, an above-ground pool. Oh, yeah. And, and she goes, Brian, it's a bargain. As soon as Sue used to say, it's a bargain, I knew we were in, a, we were in trouble because she buys shit that we don't need because it's a bargain. So anyway, so we bought the pool and it probably, she bought it for $300 and it was had a saltwater filter that was just bang. Fantastic, we can sell that for 700 if it doesn't work out. Well, anyway, by the time we got the pool up, it was like about two and a half grand to get this thing assembled right. and a lot of help <laughs> from the locals. You know, I had to put the fence up. It was just terrible. And then we found out that the filter we could sell for $700, well, that didn't even work. Um <laughs> So it was a bit like buying a racehorse. You're just hemorrhaging money all yep. the time. And in Melbourne, it was so, so freaking cold that you hardly ever use it. So there you go. That's my pool story. Yep. There are, there are abs- anyone who has one, uh, good luck to you. Yeah, you're welcome. Won't be, yeah. won't be darkening my door with a pool ever again. Now, let me talk to you about AFLW and the finals and how the, we're all going in the tipping. Oh, I don't think I went well. No, I don't think you did, Brian. Uh, Only had four games. What's the lowest score you can get, Brian? Three, I'd imagine. No, yeah. there's only four games. What's the lowest score you can get? Well, we three because I'm Brian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's only you four games. None. So four's not, you say none? Four's being the highest score you can possibly get, and no one got four. What do you reckon the lowest score would have been, Brian? None. No one got none. You actually I got one. You got one. Yeah. Congratulations. You got, you got one, you got Brisbane. The one that finally and I missed I, out. I on. knew that. They were down like girls. They were tired. I knew it. So you got one, uh, which gave you a sum total now of 55, adding on to your 54 from, uh, you know, your equal winning score of 54. 
Finally, you missed Adelaide as I did. Uh, you got the Swans and Geelong, but you missed with Melbourne, which was a big surprise to a lot of people. Not only that Melbourne lost, but that they got flogged. Um, yep. I got the Swans and Geelong, and I also picked North Melbourne to beat Melbourne. So I got three. Oh, here we go. You, you're too funny. So you're on 56, as am I. And I'm on 55. You're on 55. So that's where the tips. Oh, oh that makes more sense. Neck and neck. Oh, here, just wait. We've not finished yet. No, we got two games this weekend, and then two oh, games we, the following oh. weekend, and then uh, and then the grand final. So this weekend, it's the semis. Yes. Brisbane and uh, North Melbourne have gone through to the prelim finals. Leaving Saturday, Adelaide Crows to play Sydney Bryan in Adelaide at Norwood Oval, Saturday night at 7.45. Who do you like, Brian? I'm going for Adelaide. Sydney are good, but I'm going for Adelaide. Mr Fine. I think I'll go for Sydney. Well, Sydney, I was writing Adelaide down. I thought you wanted to go for Adelaide. You've been a big fan of Sydney for the last... This whole competition, yeah, I reckon, Friday. They're playing very well. Yeah, they've hit their straps at the right time of the year, I think. I think they're yeah. they're the team on the ascendancy. I think Adelaide might be the team that have got the wobbles a bit, so I'm going for Sydney as well. Uh, Melbourne will play Geelong at Icon Park on Sunday afternoon at 3.05. A big injury for the Cats. Their main goal-kicking girl, Chloe Shears, out, but I'm still going to go for the Cats. Uh, have been on them all year. Uh, nor Melbourne or Geelong, finally. I think I'll go Melbourne. Brian? Well, they got flogged last week, so that'll give them a kick up the ass. So Melbourne for me too. Melbourne for you. All right. So that's the uh, the tips. We'll see how that uh, pans out. Uh, World Cup, uh, lots going on at the uh, Men's World Cup. Um, Glenn Maxwell is, is probably, from an Australian point of view, the story of this World Cup. That 201, I went to bed when we were four for 50. I thought, oh, that's it. It's all over. We're not going to win that. And then we were seven for seventy nine or something, and then uh, that's when I turned it off. Uh, right, so uh, not expecting. And then when I get up the next morning and look at the thing, go Maxwell two hundred and one. What? That's all I saw. <laughs> what? Uh, and then I saw that we won the thing. Couldn't even walk. And then I watched his innings. Foxtel had his innings in. Uh, yeah. just it. Yeah, I watched that. I watched that. My God. Um. <laughs> Finally, you're you're a, you're a batsman with with all the shots. Um, uh, played all the shots all around the wicket. You ever seen anything like what he did? Right. So I saw when a bloke came into the shop who I know was quite a good cricketer back in the day. We were talking about it, and he made a very good observation because he'd watched the whole innings, and he said he played half of that inning. So he made a hundred on one leg because he was cramping, yeah. and he goes, and he played very much like a golfer. Now, we know Maxwell loves his golf. Yep, he plays off a single-figure handicap. Yeah, and and I agreed with him. He was really just sort of straight-legged, not moving that front leg, has a magnificent eye, but rather than put himself in the impossible situation of cramping every time he played, he realised, I can't move around much. So, he, you know, I would then say the bowling was wrong because they should have been making him reach outside off stump. You know, I'd be bowling a spinner, tossing it a bit wide, and be very hard to play without overbalancing. Yeah, or you, you needed you know. him to move his feet. He had to move his feet. Yeah, they kept. Well, the highlights I saw, the fours and sixes he were hitting, they were just bowling it at him. And the same nincompoop that dropped him on thirty-three, which was a dolly, bowled the worst four balls I've ever seen and got him over the line. Yeah, you know. I mean, why would you be angling it into his legs? Because he's planting his legs and he's just, with those forearms, he's just helping him, he's helping it over the fence. Anyhow, it's easier to say in hindsight, but it was an extraordinary innings. It was quite brilliant. But I think you find that that very good Afghanistan team still lacks, lacks a sort of hardness under duress. And they went from sort of world beaters to, very vulnerable because they are, you know, they're still a, a team in a work in progress, a very brilliant work in progress. It's great watching Afghanistan. Yeah. But, you know, they, they it was like a game of snakes and ladders. They were one roll of the dice away from winning the whole game and then they landed on Maxwell and went all the way back to zero. <laughs> Certainly did. What do you think of it, Brian? Do you see it? 
Well, I think I turned off at about seven for 90. And I went, oh, we're gone here. This is, forget it. And I went to bed. And then the next day, it's like, wow, we won. And so must have been a magnificent inning by Maxwell. But, uh, um, you know, I don't know whether we deserve to win it because Maxwell seemed to be the, you know, the guts of the show. But um, anyway, we got there and good for us. When and I'll tell semis. you what. And I'll tell you what. He was so lucky not to be out first ball. Oh and, God, and yes. The, and the victim of a hat trick. That was such a good ball for a hat trick ball. You know, he nicked it. He just nicked it, he and it didn't it, carry. Yeah. yeah. And it was got a clean bowling. He himself sort of lifted his eyebrows on that one. Well, and the and the catch where Rashid and the captain were running towards the ball, yeah, and, yeah. and both and neither obviously were talking terribly yeah. well about who was going to catch it. Um, that was a, and the LB, and the LB he was given out on. Nobody picked. Now it did appear that it was outside leg stump where the ball pitched. None of the commentators, nor I, nor anybody who would watch it, would have thought it was going over the stumps. No, me neither. That was a very odd interpretation, you know. And I think that prediction was off, to be honest. Yeah, I'm I'm a bit dodgy yeah, on, yeah. The, on the on, on the height thing. I still reckon the height thing's a guess. Oh yeah, complete guess. Yeah, they programmed something in there, and you know, you the, you the would, whole pitch isn't the same. Yeah, I I bowled them and you faced them. When you pitch it, you can pitch the ball in the same spot or seemingly the same spot. One will go around about your your, your shoulder, and the next one will go hit you in the ankle. Yeah, I'm. I'm you know, the wicket wasn't that bad, but no, it doesn't. Uh, here's what it doesn't do. You see, try, it tries to work out the trajectory from when the ball bounces to hitting the pad to then the stumps, right? Yep. And there is a formula for that. What it doesn't allow for is the time. Now, it's, it's impossible to time it probably, but you know only too well being a bowler. There's also bounces that are dead. You know, it, it, it doesn't roll along the ground. But two balls can pitch in the same spot, and one can r- hit your pad a lot quicker than the other one. So one those, one is going up, and one is dying. Correct. Yeah. And 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 yeah, and there is dying bounce on a wicket, and yep. I don't reckon it allows for dying bounce. It it allows for the trajectory keeping on going on the same speed. But one hundred percent perfect alignment. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. But, but that ball, I watched it a few times. I just kept replaying it. I think he was very lucky that that said it wasn't going to hit the stumps. Yeah. But you know what? Not many people turn that luck into one of the great double centuries of all time, so yeah. good on him. No, I agree. Good on him. Uh, we play South Africa in the final on Thursday night and uh, India will play New Zealand in the other final. You'd be thinking India will win that. Uh, as much as I like New Zealand's team and they've got yeah. a lot of good players and I think India will win that. Um, uh, I'm not sure about us in South Africa. They could roll us for 50 or, or we could we could and then, go they, and then they could lose to India by didn't they lose by two hundred and forty seven or something? Yep, uh, my on drugs. Yep, no, no, no. no, they no lost. Yep, yep. They, they've had, they've had their ups and downs. Did you hear my answer to Brian's question? No, what, because you're you're phasing a little bit. What did you say? Sorry. He asked whether they won by 240 if he was on drugs. I said both. <laughs> yes, fair enough. Um, this is why I enjoyed the game so much. It was riveting. Yeah, that's right. Thirteen yeah. overs or whatever it was. I don't know. Um, there, oh, yeah. uh, if Decock gets going, they're a very good side. They've got a couple of good batsmen in there as well as as well as him. But um, yeah, it could be inter- a very interesting game. Um, Australia and South Africa. Once once the cock gets going, Kev, whoa, watch out! Thank you. Um, we've got head. And he hasn't looked like scoring a run since he got that under it. <laughs> He's been very ordinary. And uh, they're going to make the call. Um, uh, who, who's, who's do they still have? Do they still have Faf to pussy? No, they don't. <laughs> because because when they had to pussy and to cock, yeah, okay. see, that was a good pairing. Yeah, it was lovely. Now, who's your Australian <laughs> team for this semi final? Does Stoinis stay in your your eleven finally, or does Stoinis get the the Kyber? Uh, well, I think that's what it is about. It is a kyber position. I'm not happy with Stoinis as a name. 
Thank you. Yeah, I think Stoinis. Yeah, I'd definitely keep Stoinis. Um, isn't it funny how Labuschagne's made himself invaluable to the team? If for no other reason than he's a brilliant fieldsman. He's the best fieldsman in the team. Yeah, um, it's full credit to him because I don't think he's a one-day batsman. He saved us a, a bit two or three games ago, but I don't think he's a one-day batsman. But, God, he works on his cricket. He's a very good cricketer and he, he's been he, brilliant in the field. If they ever do in uh, in the one-day internationals where they have a substitute batsman and if you were to lose – if you lose three quick wickets – and you can sub in – say you can sub the number yeah, six. Yeah. The number six becomes a sub position if you want to sub it. So you can sub it in to bring a bowler in or an all-rounder yep. or a batsman. He would be the bloke you would bring in if you lost three quick wickets. Yeah. Because he, yeah, yeah. he will then bat for the rest of the 50 overs if everyone stays yeah. in with him, and he'll churn out a, a, a respectable score for you. Um, I'm not sure he's going to win you the game off his own bat in normal circumstances, but – He's a bloody fighter, Labuschagne. I like him. And I, and I do have one last observation mm-hmm. on the one-day Australian team. Yours. I don't know why they think – it's not for me to tell them what to do, but why do they think the homeless man look is is impressive or endearing? You know. I mean, I think Alex Carey is a better batsman, a better keeper, not looking like a friggin' hobo. <laughs> in English. <laughs> it's a tax dodge. Uh, I mean, in English, sorry. Yeah. And, but, but I mean, English, not yeah. not Carey. But, yeah. you know. They're making out they're not getting any money. I don't know. So many of them, so many of them look messy to me. Yeah, and they try to look like they're in World War Two with the moustaches, which is, I don't mind, but, yeah. Wasn't, um, wasn't but, Gillette... One of the major sponsors of the Australian cricket, at least he certainly they certainly were of Pat Cummins at one stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think they are. I think the, sh- I think like the shikers hit Australian. the fan and they're not doing it anymore. Apparently not. Well, very good. Shikers hit the fan. Well done, Kev. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I kind of like my Australian cricketers with – I was watching the BG show last night. Oh, yeah. And I've got the hairy chests and the medallions. Oh, we've <laughs> got to get back into that. <laughs> and, and you know, you think about Dennis Lilly, you know, you want the hairy chest, the medallions, the big John Newcomb moustache. I think didn't it's time it, to go back. Didn't Dennis Lilly have the gold little cricket bat bouncing along? Yep, he did. I love that little cricket bat. Yep, I don't know how we bowled. don't know how we bowled with that flapping around all the time. Oh God, he was good. Oh. God, he was great. He was he is the best. I'm sorry. Yeah. I I had a one massive fanboy moment with him in Perth once when I met him um, in the early '80s in Perth, and I just oh, I was like a gushing bloody schoolgirl. Yeah, same, same with me. I was oh. I was on radio one night, and they were doing downstairs a big sales and promotion thing with blue steel boots or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the head of sales. Came up and said, "Would you like to interview Dennis for a while? He's happy to come up and have a chat with you." Yeah, and when I correct, when I lifted, you know, when I put my tongue back in my mouth, and he was so lovely. You oh, know, he's he a lovely came, fellow. He came and sat down. He put his briefcase or whatever on the thing, and he just the first day break. You know, I, I was talking to him for three or four minutes, and felt like I hope I'm not taking up his time. And he, and we got to the ad break, and he just looked over and he said, "Mate, I just got to tell you, I've got the car." Car's picking me up in about half an hour, 40 minutes. So, you know, do you want me here for the whole lot? Otherwise, I'll just wait in the lobby. I said, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> no, no, go and sit in the lobby, mate, and just uh, grab a coffee or something. No, was, yeah. And you know what I did? I did something I'm not allowed to do, but I used to have, I used to have a lot of autonomy at night. I cancelled the news, which they did not like me doing. Yep, good. And then... And then John, the program manager, said, that's all right. Anytime, anytime you, where he goes, if you get Australia's, he goes, if you got Dennis Lilly, Shane Warne, and then he, I remember he tried to say, Australia's greatest ever batsman, and you can you can drop the news. I said, mate, if I get Sir Donald Bradman in, <laughs> I'll be dropping more than the fucking news. <laughs> uh, no, he's one of, well, the, one of the greats, and he's a lovely fellow. I, I he was great. I met Dennis Lilly. When? At a, well, at a party at Molly's because Molly was always out of the Australian cricket team. He did. There. So, so there's Alan Border and Dennis Lilly and 
oh man, a whole lot of them. Um, didn't didn't Molly so, Molly would have had Ben Dover at his party? Yeah, Root was there, De Kock, uh, <laughs> they were all there. Before they were famous. <laughs> Willie, Willie, was, oh. Willie was there. Willie, 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 Dilly and Lily were they were all there. The batsman holding the what is it? The batsman holding the bowlers, Willie. Yeah, Brian, Brian, Molly wouldn't have had to cock over if he wasn't big at the time. Well, he was. I think he was at the height of his game, Brian. Uh, I think you you've got that right of the money. He was, he was. Very big at the time. He was, yeah. Tell us but about anyway. meeting Dennis Lilly, will you, for God's sake? <laughs> well, I'm, yeah, all right. Just Jesus. So I'm sitting there, you know, I think Duran Duran are wandering around in Molly's party, which is, Molly's parties are great. And then, you know, it's Alan Border and that, uh, Dennis Lilly's there. And, well, I didn't know it was Dennis. So this guy comes up and goes, hey, how you going? And I said, who are you? You know, and said, "Yeah, piss off, but don't annoy me." So, it's <laughs> fair enough. The ideal thing to say. No, no, of course I didn't say that. But he did do me a great deal for carpet call, <laughs> and um, I'm going to get the whole bedrooms done up here, thanks to my good mate Dennis Lilly. Good on you, buddy. Call, call, carpet call. The experts in the trade. That was him. Ah. I, I do remember I, I, he gave me a great answer to something. I said, you know, because I grew up, Lillian Thompson, what a great combination. And I asked him, how did you get on as, you know, as people? And, of course, he gave the sort of party line, you know, we all got on great because they did. They, they, No, they did, yeah. They loved each other or whatever. Pissed. Yeah, I mean, they partied. You know, they were real Aussie blokes and Tom, Tom was one of them. Yep. And then I said, you know, because Jeff Thompson's, He's been interesting post-career, some of the things he's said about cricket. And he goes, he goes, he had some interesting theories when he played and they've only got more and more interesting as he's retired. He gave me this look like he's enough. Yeah, no, (laughs) Tom Famously, he loved the bloke, but he was curious about some of his ideas. Oh, yeah. No, Tomo famously at his uh, book launch in Brisbane didn't turn up. Um, <laughs> uh, and he used to bring his girlfriend in. It's uh, Cheryl when she was his girlfriend, now his wife. Um, and put her in the studio with me at 4OP in Brisbane because he'd be going into a, a sponsor's function up in the boardroom. Say, so, oh, look, can you just look after Cheryl for half an hour? i just got to go up here and kiss a few, you know. Uh, babies and shake a few hands and uh, I'll be back and Cheryl would sit in the studio and read a book and I'd say, yeah, no, she'll be right. Um, and then he'd come back after half an hour, thanks, mate, yeah, good day, see you, yeah, bye, walk out. They were paying him $633,000 a year to do that. What? They were paying him $633,000 a year to do that. And I was doing... To do what? I was doing... He was basically... He was an ambassador for the radio station, which he he was, and they got enormous publicity out of it. But basically, he was being paid that to to win Queensland to Sheffield Shield. He never did, but he was part of that obsession that the Queenslanders had at that stage with winning their first Sheffield Shield. They finished up winning it. With with a local homegrown bloke captaining them, and mostly homegrown players after having bought Greg Chapel, Russie Surdy, Tom Graveney, Jeff Thompson, um, Alan Border. <laughs> they bought they bought everybody from all over Did the world. Vi- didn't Viv Richards play for? Yeah, Vivian was there. Yeah, Viv was Viv worked at the radio station as well. Or didn't Alvin Kalacharan was at the radio station at the same time as Viv, um, all playing oh, yeah. for Queensland. It, it- it's as disgusting what they did as these men competing in women's sports. I'm just, I, I don't know, I don't think I've ever been more angry than I am now. Well, hold your anger because we're about to get to the death Eliza. Brian, are you ready? Or I don't know if I want to yeah, do I know. Maybe get fine. No, no, you do. we're doing the death Eliza as per normal. You're doing it. Go on, uh, give us the intro. Ladies and gentlemen. This is a really sad for me. It is. It's a shitty one, one, this one. The death of us. Uh, and we'll start uh, with uh, the bloke that you and I talked about during the week uh, when we, we found out he passed away, Brian, uh, from brain cancer. He was an actor, a singer, 
uh, Mad Essendon supporter, and I know a mate of yours, and we had him on the Life of Brian podcast a year ago to this week. Yep. Uh, Johnny Ruffo uh, at the age of 35. Um, not unexpected, yeah. but uh, but uh, certainly very sad. Oh, yeah. Look, you know, he was such a, you know, he's a cocky bastard and um, he was funny. I remember, you know, me and Fev, Zola and he went to Anzac Day and, you know, they see that sign up on the scoreboard and they go, you know, if anybody's swearing around you, call this number. So I'm not even sitting down yet. I'm getting a beer or something. And by the time I sit down, Johnny's rung up the number and he's the security guy. Listen, mate, if you don't call your, your language, I said it anything. <laughs> you don't call your language, we're throwing you out. And, and it was just like one of those situations you just have and Johnny Ruffo are laughing their heads off. And just like, it wasn't worth arguing and you just go, yeah, okay, mate, look, I'm really sorry about that. But it's like it was bullshit. <laughs> and then the other, one of the other good nights, we're doing dancing with the staff. I think we've done the first night. And then we're off to the Logies party. Anyway, Johnny's just wearing a signal or something. And then we see the invite or whatever it is. And he's got to have a shirt on. And so my brother was driving us. And he's in there trying to hit on the daughter. And um, and then we pull up. I said, mate, you need a shirt. And he goes, and we pull up at the lights, and he goes to some bloke that's down here. Hey, mate, sell me a shirt. Here's a hundred bucks. And the guy gave him the shirt, and he gave him a hundred bucks, and then he was cool for the party. But he was a really, really optimistic, um, cocky bloke. But he was funny, and he used to vote. For me, him and Fev did, because they liked my jokes, I think, but they used to vote for me so that I wouldn't get kicked off the show. Oh, right. So, and, he, and his girl, his girl, Tani, she's just been fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, she's been, you know, most people, when they get brain cancer, I think you only get about six months. Um, I don't, I'm not sure about that. You know, I'm not a doctor. But he fought this for six or seven years, just, his determination, I just really respect him and I just wonder what else he could achieve had he not got sick. So God bless you, Johnny Ruff. I hope yeah. you're in a better place. Yeah, very sad. 35 years of age, way, 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 way too young. Yeah. Um, and the other passing was a, a bloke that uh, that Finey and I both know through our, our SEN days um, and through his uh, work as a journalist uh, for The Age and, and then The Australian. Patrick Smith had a heart attack on the weekend and passed away at the age of uh, 71. He was an integral part of uh, Kevin Bartlett's show on SEN for, oh, God knows how many years they worked together uh, doing their thing, but uh, also a fairly decent uh, district cricketer in his time. And um, he didn't only write about uh, cricket, he wrote about uh, all sports. Uh, had a passion for racing, owned a couple of really good racers, and What's Up Doc, which won a few, I might have even won a Group 1. Um uh, and it's time, but uh, yes, a, a, a doyen of the uh, of the sports writing uh, journalists uh, finding. So a few things about Patrick Smith. Now he was he loved horses and horse racing, um, and he was a a great proponent. He was a great champion of of um, taking the whip out of horse racing. Yeah, people might. Have- yeah, people might think that's posturing, and I'm not saying I agree with it, but his love of horses was not superficial. In fact, uh, my daughter learnt horse riding up at Dalesford. There was a, a beautiful horse riding facility up there, and his son runs it, and the family was involved. And so that, they've got a long history with horses that, that transcends horse racing, you know, it's wasn't cherry picking. It wasn't you know. His history with horses was very strong, so that I always found that quite interesting. Yep. Um, I had a few indirect run-ins with him that was sort of more theatre than anything else because I used to start my show with my say, your say, and when he was on KB, he was outspoken about quite a few things, especially famously at war with Grant Thomas, and I used to sometimes take a contrary p- position. Yeah. 
Um, and he would fire back at me a couple of times, but it was always, you know, it was never anything other than good. Well, it wasn't good humoured, but it was in the spirit of, you know, he's a great journalist. He was a great journalist. I, I couldn't hold a candle to him in terms of journalistic achievements. But um, certainly on radio, I was never backwards in coming forwards and SEN was my home patch and he was a once-a-weeker and I was more than happy to have a big crack at him. And I remember he did get injured very badly, he fell off his roof at his holiday home or I think maybe they'd moved down to the peninsula or whatever and he was doing some roofing and fell off it and, and really injured himself quite badly. Um, and whilst I didn't want to make light of it, you know, you know, he, did, he hurt for his leg and he'd had back problems anyhow. And I had commented that, you know, unfortunately Patrick Smith fell off his ego on the weekend and has yeah. suffered quite an injury. And he actually turned around and said, well, actually, surprisingly, that was quite quick-witted by fine, unusually. <laughs> so. anyway, but, but I've got a cricket thing to end with him because, you know, Julian Wiener played cricket with him. We're on good mates with Julian at Paran. Yep. And Julian used to describe him as actually the best fast bowler he had played with at district level and that he easily, easily would have been a regular for Victoria and maybe even higher honours if not for two things. And Julian used to tell it brilliantly. He said he actually, and he said he would have comfortably played for Victoria and could have even played for Australia. He was that fearsome a bowler. There were only two things that prevented him from a great first class or even test career. One was that the age were quite unsympathetic for their cadets not working and made it very difficult for him to pursue both a, a first-class career and be a, a serious journalist. And the other problem was that he used to chuck it. So, Julian <laughs> 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 tells it really well, you know, because he said he was fearsome and yeah. fast and had every attribute of a fast bowler in that he wanted to hurt you before he got you out. Yep. And he said he was always grateful to be on the same team as him and it was just great that the second thing, oh, and he chucked yes. And he chucked it. Yeah. Right. Only a minor <laughs> technicality. <laughs> yeah. I, I always found him on SEM a little bit patronising um, and I spoke to Kevin Bartlett when we played an SEM dude and I said, look, you know, you understand that we've got a drinking game going when – What's his name again? Patrick Smith. Patrick Smith comes on. I I just didn't like his, his attitude. You know, he's obviously a great man, and I don't mean to disrespect him. But I said to Kevin Bartlett, I said, you know, we've got a drinking game, and every time that Patrick Smith says Kevin, and she's like, no, Kevin, and he goes, the AFL is da 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 da. Now Kevin, he, he used to say Kevin about. 35 times in a three-minute segment. I, I, you know, that, yeah, look, I did listen to him and I enjoyed him and I'm really sorry for his family, but I always found him a little bit patronising. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't you find, Brian, don't you find that that is exactly the sort of um, interesting um, sort of uh, feisty, non-conventional... Oh, yeah, um, it, it, it makes type a good of, radio. Type of, yeah, I'm saying, but that's the sort of type of contributor that that SEN doesn't have anymore. Yeah, uh, you correct. know. Yeah, yeah. look, you know, exactly. I, I often disagreed with him, but I was happy to hear what he had to say. Um, he just said Kevin at the end of every sentence. <laughs> um, but, yeah, obviously he knew his sport and, you know, obviously a great man. Um, and as you say, he's funny. He made it controversial. He disagreed with Kevin Bartlett rather than being the project and um, everything. Oh, I think he genuinely disagreed with a hell of a lot with with Kevin Bartlett. No, but that, but they were great yeah. mates. I, I was telling Finey you know, before the show um, those uh, carnivals I did seven or eight of those Melbourne Cup carnivals I did with uh, with Kevin. 
Um, Patrick would turn up every time to come and, and he would make sure, because he was always at the races, he'd make sure he came over, said hello to Kevin, would talk to Kevin. For, they were like they were like uh, uh, brothers. Um, uh, such was their bond. But they they didn't agree. Yeah. Even even when they were sitting there having chats and eating, you know, sandwiches and having a cup of tea together while the show was going on, they'd be arguing about something. They'd be, you know, no, yeah, no, no, he's not a good horse. No, he's a good horse. No, he's not. He's not a good jockey. He's a good jockey. Um <laughs> They were, they yeah. were well, I'll, give, I'll give you an idea. I'll give this fact just reminded me of something. You know, for the for about the last seven years, I was doing evenings. I was, and I used to love this. Kevin would um, take off at the start of November. He they, he had sort of the the Rolls Royce holidays. Yeah. And I really loved working. They gave me Kevin Bartlett's fifth for five weeks, and I got every contributor bar Patrick. Is that right? You know. Yeah, and I didn't. I didn't resent that. You know, Patrick was, you know, he was high, you know, high ranking as well. But all of his other contributors were happy to come on with me. But when KB was, and and it did coincide with the end of the spring carnival, yeah. And that was, you know, Patrick went on holidays then because he was a footy rider, racing rider. So his year basically started at the start of the footy season and then was extended out to the end of the spring carnival. Okay, and that exactly when I took over, it would have been. Yesterday that I took over, the day after, yeah, you know, Kevin packed it in the day after the carnival finished, and that was a great time for me. I used to love that, but um, yeah, no, Patrick. Yeah, so that is uh, that is the death of Brian. Close it up for us, ladies and gentlemen. That's the end of a very sad edition of the death of Thank you, Brian. Nicely done. Thank you, Kevin. Now we're Kevin, yes. Kevin, the AFL. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go on. Sorry about that. And no, that was it. The you AFL. You've got to say Kevin at the starting of every sentence. Oh, Kevin, Kevin, doing Kevin, 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 Kevin. You know, he did actually. You, re- you saying that uh, reminded me that he did used to say. Yeah, that he did say. Kevin. Yes. Oh, if you had to spell a drink every time you said Kevin. My God, you would have been. Uh, you would have been out of your mind. Within 20 minutes. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be spewing up on some innocent bystander, <laughs> you know. You wouldn't mean it, but if you got to skull something every time you said Kevin, wow. Yes. God bless him. Yeah, God bless and him. And good luck to his family. Yeah, yeah, no, he's uh, obviously uh, – the the outpouring on social media was, uh, was phenomenal today. I – I hadn't looked at it until just before we started the show, and uh, uh, yeah, uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of, uh, of journos from uh, from all sorts of um, walks of life of uh, whose life he's touched, who people he gave a chance to, and uh, you know who he, he sort of mentored in their early days of journalism, all thanking him. So uh, that's good. Now, boys, uh, we're going to keep the show tight. We're not going uh, off uh, many miles now, so um, we're. Looking at movie lines this week, oh, lines from movies that you uh, that you say a lot, that you use a lot in normal conversation. So, finally, kick us off. Oh, I'm not tight. Sorry. Well, go for I've it. I've got little quotes from movies. Yeah, go on. Yeah. All right, so I'm starting off with one of my favourite movies, Miller's Crossing, and I'm just going to set the scene. Tommy, our hero, is in the car with a hitman called Eddie the Dane and Tommy is supposed to have taken somebody out to Miller's Crossing to execute him, but he didn't do it. He didn't have it in his heart to do it. So this is what Eddie the Dane says to him and I'll love it. Up is down, black is white, nothing's what it seems. You're straight as a corkscrew, a regular Mr. Inside Outski. And I think you're more likely to join a ladies' league than shoot a man. So we're going out to Miller's Crossing, and if we don't find a stiff, we're leaving a fresh one behind. <laughs> Very oh, nice. Who was the actor who said that? Was that Gabriel Byrne? Uh, no, Gabriel Byrne's. He's the, he's the one sitting there. He's been okay. spoken to. Ah, I don't right. know the actor who plays Eddie the Dane, but he he looks like a cross between Herman Munster and a sawn-off shotgun. He's an <laughs> angry-looking man. <laughs> uh, we'll put a fresh one there. Why wouldn't you? Brian, yep. what, what's, what's your first contribution to this? Well, you know, you try to avoid the 
obvious ones, like we're going to need a bigger boat. And Which you use all the time. Too. Yeah, I love it. Um, but what I'm going to go for is a great movie. I, I love this movie. It's called Falling Down with Michael Douglas. Yep. And, and he's just had enough of society. He just gets out of his car and he just says, fuck it, I'm leaving it here. And then, you know, bit by bit, this gang tries to thing and he ends up, you know, killing him. He goes to McDonald's or the equivalent of, and breakfast is over. And he, he enacts all of the things that we feel about the frustrations of life. But at the end of the movie, he just, thing, and then John Duval or Robert Duval is there and he's got his own problems. But then Michael Douglas says, so what? I'm the bad guy? <laughs> because, and, and that was just such a brilliant line because it showed you that, yeah, you kind of did a couple of little things that were bad, but we all understand why you did it. But then now he's the bad guy. And I just thought that was a really great um you know, initiative or, you know, understanding of, you know, people that perhaps do bad things. It's like they think they're doing the right thing and he goes, so what? I'm the bad guy? Hmm. So that's, I think that's a great line. I love it. Um, I have a line that I use a lot uh, just in normal conversation for some reason. I don't know I don't know how it started because I, I, I saw the film but it didn't, didn't resonate with me greatly, this film, for some reason, but... I use the expression "that'll do, pig," a lot. Oh yeah, um, from good. Babe, um, good one. from uh, James Cromwell, uh, Farmer Hoggett, or whatever his name was. But it's just one of those one of those things. I did it on the weekend. I don't know if we were doing something. I thought, well, that'll do, pig. That'll do. Um, I tend to use you it don't all the say time. that to Sarah, do you? No, well, in context of <laughs> in context of what we're doing, yes, I do. I haven't been known to do that. Are we don't. Oh, no, oh, yeah. We were at the market the other week up in uh, up in Conwack, and I, I did it there. And uh, uh, it's just one of those things where it just came. It just came out. It just comes out naturally. So that's um, that's one <laughs> that I do. I must use from Babe. Um, which was a good film, but not a film That's that a really- not a film that knocked my head off at the time for some reason. But anyway, uh, finally, Miller's Crossing. What's number? What's the next one? I didn't like Babe, but I did enjoy watching it. Then going out and getting spare ribs up. <laughs> That'll do, pig. Mmm, <laughs> delicious. Yes. Okay. Sucked up your dinner. Now I think everybody again. Mine, mine are a little bit longer than one line, but You're anyway, right. you'll understand. Um, I think. A lot of people, I loved Shawshank Redemption. Yep. Oh, yeah. And, of course, Morgan Friedman's narration and at the end, you know, when he, and I think this bit, this is the bit I, you know, I loved it all, but if I have to break it down into something a bit smaller, then I think you'll always, or if you've seen it, you'll remember this. And he crawled to freedom through 500 yards of shit-smelling foulness I can't even imagine. Or maybe I just don't want to. 500 yards. That's the length of five football fields, just shy of half a mile. Yeah. And his voice, he's got one of the uh, one of the, oh, yeah. one of yeah. the beautiful voices of all time, Morgan Freeman. People yeah. often talk about they'd love their eulogy to be read by Morgan Freeman. Even Morgan Freeman says that. Yeah. But- <laughs> yes. I'm actually currently watching a- – I'm currently watching a, a Netflix series called The Journey of Life or something. Yeah. Um, it's brilliant. It's a combination of actual footage and then a lot of um, computer animation or whatever it's called um, of prehistoric times, but it's narrated by Morgan Freeman. Oh, it just wow. makes it so enjoyable. Yep. Can imagine. All right. Uh, so falling down, Michael Douglas first up. What's next, Brian? Hello, Brian. Brian. Earth calling Mannix. That's a difficult call to make at the best of times. <laughs> yeah, I think he's frozen in time. I'm looking at the screen uh, and, uh, yes, he's frozen in time. But I don't think he knows he's frozen in time. That's the unfortunate and sad part of that. So 
I'll uh, I'll jump in and do my number two. It's just one of those lines. It's a bit bent. Well, it's not actually bent, um, but it's just a line that I uh, I don't know. Again, one of those bloody lines that I just keep putting. Um And it's a bit. Brian will hopefully jump back in again. It's a bit of uh, our mate Anthony Hopkins. Um, I always, I'm having an old friend for dinner. Um, and for some reason, I find that highly amusing and uh, have been known to work that into the conversation over the years from uh, from um, that wonderful, wonderful, wonderful um, film. God, he was only – I was reading today. He was only in – because I wanted to make sure I got it right. Um, he was only in that film for 16 minutes. Yep. That, that's correct. Won the Academy Award for Best Actor. That is that is bloody mind blowing of how powerful that that uh, performance of his was. Um, yep. Just, just, I mean, uh, disturbing and powerful, and yet now I, that to me, I find that incredibly amusing. Um, yeah, it's just having an old friend for dinner. Uh, <laughs> uh, he was very, very, very good in that. Um, I don't know who he was up against that year for the Academy Award, but whoever it was, I feel sorry for him because they probably could have had the best acting performance of their entire life, so they were never going to get near a bloody Academy Award. Um, so what's your number one? What's your, what's your top one? Again, it's a little bit longer than yours, mm-hmm. but have a guess who it is. Um, okay. Um, I'll make it easy on you. Anthony Hopkins playing Hannibal Lecter in oh, Silence really? of the Lambs. Oh, no. Yep. <laughs> we, as you can, as anyone listening to this can tell, we don't rehearse these things and we don't share out the list with each other. What, so what have you picked out? You know what you look like to me with your good bag and your cheap shoes? You look like a rube, a well-scrubbed, hustling rube with a little taste. Good nutrition has given you some length of bone, but you're not more one generation from being poor white trash. Are you, Agent Starling? And that accent you try so desperately to shed? Pure West Virginia. What was your father, dear? Was he a coal miner? Did he come home smelling of the lamp? And oh, how quickly the boys found you. All those fondling, sticky fumblings in the backseat of cars. (laughs) While you could only dream of getting out. Getting anywhere. Getting all the way to the FBI. (laughs) <laughs> oh God, he was frightening. Uh, he's a bloody good actor. He's just, he's you're talking about Morgan Freeman's voice. Anthony Hopkins has that powerful English um, command that yep. Richard Burton had, that uh, Peter O'Toole had. All those all those blokes had it. Oh, uh, brilliant! I could listen to them yep. talk and and read. Uh, you know, uh, not 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 so much someone like Laurence Olivier. I'm more into your Peter O'Toole's and your Richard Burton's. Oliver Reed and uh, and Anthony Hopkins, bloody brilliant, bloody brilliant. Yep. My yep. Uh, my number one. I agree. My number one is and uh, and again from the vernacular. Uh, not a not a massively big film by any stretch of the imagination, and I'm not sure if this was where it was first said, but it certainly is part of my vernacular. It's been part of my family's um, uh, sort of everyday speak for such a long time. Um, I may yep. have even heard my mother say this. Uh, it was said by a character called Mad Dog in a movie called Last of the Knucklemen when he said, if you don't eat, you don't shit, and if you don't shit, you die. And that's Oh, that is so funny. <laughs> that's that is funny because that, that's brilliant because I never knew that was from a movie. No, and but- I, I wondered because I said to Sarah, uh, the, the movie expressions that I use, uh, think of a guy, and uh, she said, oh, you're always saying if you don't eat, you don't shit, and if you don't shit, you die. I said, oh, I said, is that from a film? And so we looked it up and it was. So it must have at some stage, I, I actually can remember my mother saying it and I certainly can remember my father saying it all the time. Um, and it just stuck with me and then I didn't know. Steve Bisley played Mad Dog in The Last of the Knucklemen and he said it in that movie. And that's funny because I played cricket with a bloke called Joey Silver and he used to say it to me. Oh, I've, I've, I can probably, if I think hard enough, think of about half a dozen blokes who I played cricket with who always said that stuff. Always. Because yeah. yeah. they'd be going to the toilet and they go, what are you doing? I'm going to have a shit. Well, it's, we're playing a match here. You can't be going to go, mate, if you don't eat. <laughs> oh, God, here yeah. we go. Um, yes, quite yep. a few of those. Uh, well, we shall bid everyone farewell from Mr Mannix, who I say has uh, run out of charge in his phone and is... Well, uh, I, well, when he gave this 
idea as a topic. He did give us an example. So can we put that in as his number one? Uh, what was his example? Oh, it was um, uh, no, oh, no, Jack Nicholson. Yeah, you can't handle the you truth. Can, you can't handle the truth. Yes, yes. Brian can't handle the technology uh, <laughs> or the there truth. There you go. There you go. Finally, uh, have a lovely week. Uh, Lenny's uh, open for business uh, among the renovations and stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Renos, Renos going. Gangbusters, but the store rolls on. So you bet. Come on in. Beautiful. Uh, thank you, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you uh, ne- in the next episode of this fabulous podcast, Rock and Roll. Good night, Farney. Good night, Kevin, and dear Brian, wherever you may be. <laughs> good night. Good good night to you. What was it? Was it um, Jimmy Durante? Good night, Mrs. Somebody, wherever you are. So yes, you might have been. Good, good night, Brian, wherever you are. You've just experienced rock and roll. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. 